Hi, I'm Sarah Schweig at the Center for Court Innovation, and today I'm speaking with Long Beach Police Chief Jim McDonnell. Chief McDonnell was appointed to the U.S. Attorney General's National Task Force on Children Exposed to Violence and has served in executive sessions on law enforcement and public health and police legitimacy and racial reconciliation. We're currently at an executive session in Los Angeles, California, sponsored by the California Endowment Community-Oriented Policing Services, the COPS Office, and the Center for Court Innovation. We've brought together public health experts and law enforcement representatives for a conversation about public health approaches to public safety. Thanks for speaking with me today. Uh, Thank you for having me. So just to start off, you know, we're in an environment where crime is relatively low, and yet resources are pretty tight. across the country as well as in California. And community policing involves engaging residents to keep neighborhoods safe. How can police in this sort of climate um, engage residents to help keep crime low in this kind of tight budget atmosphere? Yeah, I think a big part of it is an educational process. Uh, You know, it kind of drove the point home to me last night. I spoke at a, a public park in Long Beach and there were literally hundreds of kids in that park playing people of all ages actually uh, playing every different kind of sport and I think back I was impressed with that because I think back to the late 80s and early 90s when you could drive by that park and it would be empty because people were afraid to go into the park and we a generation of kids missed the opportunity to grow up um, and exercise in that fashion and that's a, 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 a giant missing piece I think and so looking at how far we've come, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit as a society and celebrate where we are today. We finished out last year, um, really in Los Angeles County, with the lowest violent crime numbers in over 40 years. We're down dramatically this year from last year. And all of us together uh, were able to achieve something that I think was seen as unachievable just a few short years ago. Uh, but yet we're not taking advantage of that. And uh, by that I mean uh, we're not re-engaging. We're not taking back the streets and the parks and you know the public spaces in a way that we really should be. And we are seeing what I saw last night, people back in the parks. But we're not doing it uh, consciously. And I think we really need to do that and talk to each other about that uh, in our communities and encourage people to get out and take full advantage of the cities that we live in. We're very fortunate to, to live in this country and to be able to have the freedom we have. But we kind of limit ourselves, I think, by not being aware of really what the threat levels actually are versus what they're perceived to be. So education is a big part of that, creating a dialogue and talking openly about where we are and what we can do to make it even safer. So how can law enforcement take an active role in new thinking around how we can promote community safety? Well, you know, you look at just basic crime control tips that, you know, sound so common sense that we too often, I think, don't talk about them because we don't want to insult people by giving them something so basic. But yet, uh, we look at our property crime in in Los Angeles County, and when you look at the property crime reports, over and over again, people left iPads, uh, iPods, uh, computers, laptops, or whatever, in an unlocked car, because they were only going into a store for a couple of minutes, and they figured that it's safe there. And over and over again, the themes are the same. I, my house was burglarized. Was the was the door left open? Well, yeah, because I didn't. I never locked the door, or the windows were left open. Uh, you know, because I didn't feel it was a threat. And it sounds very basic, but we have we have the ability to protect ourselves by using the the basic tools that we don't take advantage of. And so I think we become complacent, and as a result, we become victims. 
So by just creating a dialogue around this, uh, those are little things that, that don't cost a dime, uh, but really can change the outcome of, of what you're doing. So I think education is a, uh, a tremendous piece that we, I think, undervalue. And just the opportunity to be get able to get out in front of a, a group and be able to talk about, you know, how do you keep your family safer uh, is, is priceless. Can you speak a bit about the prison overcrowding in California and what you think from a law enforcement perspective uh, can be done towards solving this problem. Right. Well, I'll talk about both prisons and jails, but uh, I, I look at the issues that we've studied pretty closely here in Los Angeles County. In uh, L.A. County Jail, uh, the population of it is estimated to be between 15 and 20 percent of the people incarcerated are there because of mental illness. Uh, their behavior, uh, because of not taking their meds or or whatever the issue is, have caused them to find themselves uh, in custody. If we have an ability to be able to reevaluate the way we treat people in this regard and to be able to develop community-based mental health clinics and community-based mental health courts, so an assessment is done and rather than using incarceration as a default treatment plan, we have options that leave the person in the community where they're more likely to be able to be monitored and hopefully helped and treated as uh, a medical issue as opposed to a criminal issue, I think we'd be in a different position. In addition, to look at uh, in the jail environment, um, who, who's in custody awaiting uh, trial that could have been bailed out if they had only had the money. And what we find is oftentimes uh, the bail system is not based on a risk assessment, but rather who can come up with whatever the prescribed bail is. And we have people sitting in custody at great expense to society that would be less of a threat potentially back in, in their community than somebody who was able to make bail uh, and is now back out in the community uh, awaiting, their awaiting their trial. So in looking at some of the just the different ways we have taken things to just the way it is and, and reevaluate those and say uh, what other opportunities are there to reduce the population of both jails and prison, holding people accountable for their behavior but at the same time doing it in a way that is least harmful to society and a more efficient and a, a smarter way of doing you know, the same job we've been trying to do for a long time. As you know, crime prevention can straddle many different arenas and agencies. Um, what advice would you give to police departments who may want to reach out to partner with their local public health departments or school systems or other agencies to sort of help in you know, maybe education efforts or, right. you know, innovative initiatives. Yeah, I, I think that uh, we have to reach out to our partners uh, in different disciplines uh, to be able to bring the, the various sectors into play that have a tremendous outcome on what the end game will be. Uh, it's easier to do that with an education piece where there's minimal investment and you just get in and you work together and you be, you're able to put together something for a presentation and so forth. The harder part is to get people to come together on a daily basis to address um, the issues that we face and to see what role each of us can play in that. And in order to be able to affect that in a positive way, we need to look at it, um, bring in the, uh, the various players at the city level, the county level, the state level, uh, and maybe even the federal level depending on the issues we're dealing with. And that takes a lot of work because everybody's got their own goals, everybody's held accountable for different standards. Uh, and what might be a, a, a police goal at the end of the day isn't in alignment with what the health department's goals are or any other uh, of our partner agencies. So we need, as heads of agencies, to be able to, to take the initiative and meet, you know, to come up with an alignment as to we're dealing with the same audience 
over and over again. But we're not doing, doing it in a way where uh, we each bring some strength to the table to be able to address their needs. Rather, we're looking at it through our own lens to see what's our responsibility in this and then moving on, rather than in the medical model to be able to say, this person is our patient, did we put them on the road to cure, uh, or did we just address the symptom and send them back out on the street? So to be able to look at it in a more comprehensive, uh, which will ultimately be a, a smarter, more efficient, and more effective way of dealing with the problem, I think we need a re-engineering of the way we've been doing business. Uh, and you know, when it, when it comes right down to it, I think it will be a, a more efficient way because uh, when you look at the, the population that we're dealing with in, in this county, uh, there's a relatively small number of people who come into contact with all of the various agencies on a routine basis for care. And so if we can triage those in individuals uh, and identify what their needs are, and rather than just symptoms, look at the causes and then try and put together as a medical model would a diagnosis and a plan for getting better, I think we're on a much better track. I'm Sarah Schweig, and I've been speaking with Long Beach Police Chief Jim McDonnell, and we're currently at a roundtable session on public health approaches to violence prevention, looking at ways that public health and law enforcement can partner up to fight crime. To learn more about the Center for Court Innovation, please visit www.courtinnovation.com.